What I want us to do tonight, I want us to, I want us to plow some ground that we have plowed before. Uh, I, want us, I want us just to do uh, a checkup, if you will, about where we're at as individuals. Okay? I want us to think about our personal spiritual lives, and we're going to do that with three questions. We've asked these questions before. We've talked about these questions before. But for me, they are still important questions for us to, for us to ask ourselves on a very regular basis. And when we begin to ask them, just like the doctor starts asking you this set of questions, it's almost you, you, you know what the doctor's going to ask when you go in, don't you? Well, it's the same thing with the Word of God. These things aren't surprising to us, but hopefully they'll help us as we think about growing in our faith. So, question number one. Don't answer this for your neighbor. Don't answer it for the person sitting across the aisle. This one's just, They're all just for you, okay? Don't answer it for your kids. Kids, don't answer it for your parents. Answer it for yourself. Question number one. Are you alive? Are you alive? Now, you, you may not realize that, that doctors ask this question, but this is probably the first question that, that, that they ask whenever they walk in to, to see you, right? Because if you're not alive, everything changes. All of a sudden, if you're not alive, we're not so worried about your cholesterol. If you're laying there dead on the table, they don't really care about what you had for dinner last night or, 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 or about your exercise habits. All they know is that you're dead. So we start off with this question of, are you alive? Because if you're not alive, then you're dead. And if you're dead, we got a whole different set of problems to be thinking about. I can just tell you that I'm I'm convicted, I'm convinced, and any other C words I can think about, that there are multiple numbers of people that sit in church buildings on a very regular basis who are dead. They're dead. They have never been born again through Jesus Christ. You guys remember there in Genesis, in John chapter 3, when Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, and there in John 3 and verse 3, Jesus says to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It is essential to be born again. Why? Because you died. Now, now the truth is that we were all born innocent. There's a false doctrine of total depravity out there. The Bible doesn't teach total depravity. You were born innocent. You were born without sin. The problem is, even though you were born without sin, you did sin. Every single one of us and your mama too sin came into your life 100 percent if you don't count jesus in the equation a hundred percent of the people who have been born pure and innocent have then proceeded at some point in their life to sin and that sin brought about the wages the wages of sin which is you know it death so that's why jesus says It's necessary for you to be born again. He keeps going there in John chapter 3 and verse 16. You know verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have 
everlasting or eternal life. But keep reading. He says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. So people aren't dead. People aren't lost because they heard a sermon that said they were lost. People aren't lost because Jesus came and He said, Did you know you're lost? Let me tell you about this thing called sin. That's not why people are lost. That's not why we were lost. Okay? People are lost because of sin, whether Jesus ever comes or not. People are lost because of sin, whether you ever hear that sermon or not. Jesus says, I didn't come, I didn't come to condemn the world. He who believes in Him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What's he saying? Judgment comes whether Jesus, whether Jesus came or not. Jesus came to bring good news. Jesus came because he looked at the world and every one of us were lost. Every one of us were dead. Now, outside of the children who are sitting in this audience, this sweet little girl sitting up here on, on, on the front row, now she's safe. But you know what's going to happen if she lives to be old enough? She's going to die. Spiritually. She's going to sin. I wish that wasn't the case. I wish it wasn't the case with, with, with my, my sweet girl. I wish it wasn't the case with me, but it's the case. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So Jesus comes and says, but that's not the end of the story. That'd be a pretty downer if it was. Jesus comes and says, I've come to die on the cross so that all you dead people can be born again. And if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian because you have been born again. I used to always hear people talk about born-again Christians as if it was there's something, you know, like there was a, a type of Christian that wasn't born again and a type of Christian that was born again. Well, that's foolishness. To be born again means that you are a Christian. That, that there's no other type. So if you are a Christian, you are a born-again Christian. So my question is, are you alive? Have you been born again? Well, well we, we could ask some very basic things. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do, do you believe that? That's what he gets there in verse 16, right? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So do you believe, in, you, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, if you don't, then you're dead in your sin. Not because He hasn't tried to save you, but because you've refused to believe in Him. There have been many people who refuse to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They didn't want any part of Jesus. Well, they're still in their sin, not because of Him, but in spite of Him. Is there sin in your life that you have refused to repent of? A lot of times people don't want to be born again because being born again, being born again means that when they arise, Romans 6 and verse 4, that when they arise, they arise to walk in a newness of life. You read Romans chapter 6 and it's all about that new life, not to continue in sin. That's foolishness, right? The idea that you're going to continue in sin. So if I'm going to be born again, it means I have been walking in my way, but now I'm going to walk in his way. And to be quite honest, a lot of people want to be saved, but they don't want to walk in his way. So they just stay dead. They just stay dead. It keeps people from responding to the invitation all the time. You know people like that. Maybe you are people like that. And if you refuse to repent of, of your sin, if you refuse to confess your sin, well, then you have rejected the invitation and the truth of Jesus Christ. 
You're dead. You're dead. You're not even alive. We read, we, we, we read about in the New Testament of people, of people being immersed to have their sins washed away. That thing that killed them, right? That's your sin, my sin. That thing that kills us, when, we, when we're baptized into Christ, that are, those sins are washed away. Those sins are remitted. We are baptized into Christ, into His death. That's still there in Romans chapter 6. But, but, but if you can't tell me about the day that, that, that you were immersed into that watery grave and you arose to walk in a newness of life, well, then you're not alive because you've never been born again. So my first question for you, and this may hit you, it may not hit you, is, are you alive? Are you a born-again Christian? Now, for those of you who are alive, for those who are alive, it ought to send your mind all the way back to places like Ephesians chapter 2 when he reflects upon those times when we were not alive. Don't forget where you came from. Don't y'all hate people that forgot where they came from? Like, you know where they came from and they done forgot? Sometimes that happens to Christians, right? Paul, Paul says, we didn't forget where we came from. I was on the outside of the camp, excluded, on the other walls of, of the walls, on the other side of the wall of separation. That's where I was. Now, knowing that's where I was impacts how I appreciate and I live being in Christ today. So if that's where that hits you, then, then, then don't forget it. Remember it and, and, and let it change you. But if you're outside of Christ, if you're dead, here's the good news. Nobody's got to leave this place dead. Nobody, I mean, that's kind of the, nobody's got to leave this place dead. Anyone, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, right? That if you're willing to confess your belief in Jesus Christ, if you're willing to repent of the sin in your life, if you're willing to humble yourself and be immersed in that watery grave, you can walk out of this, out of this building tonight as a new man. And if you're outside of Christ, that is exactly what you need to do more than anything else. That's what you need to do. Before we start talking about all of your acts of service, listen, don't tell me about your acts of service if you're dead. All that service isn't going to do you any good. Before we start talking about how much, how much, how much should we be giving on the first day of the week, listen, there ain't no check going to help you if you're dead. So if you're dead, you need to be born again. And if that hits you in that way, I know there are people in this room that that hits in that way. I got it then the Lord's invitation is for you. For this to be the day in your spiritual walk that everything changed. Now, now a lot of you, the majority of you tonight, are listening and you're saying, yeah, I'm alive. I can tell you about that day that I was born again, right? On a Sunday night in Sykes, Missouri, and I went, went forward and answered the invitation. Pat Hogan baptized me into Christ. I still remember what he said. Didn't, didn't quite understand everything about what, was, what he was talking about that night. Y'all know how preachers kind of talk sometimes and you just sit there and go like, that's how I did the same thing, right? But I know that was the time I was born again. That was the time that my sins were washed away. So from that point forward, I was a 15-year-old man when I was young man, when I was born again. And so, man alive, that'll be 30 years, right? Coming up as I'm 44, not 45 yet. But that's 30 years, that have, that, have gone, that have gone water under the bridge. Here, here's, here's my next question. Are you growing? Are you growing? Now, now with a baby, it's really easy to see how they're growing, isn't it? Isn't that easy to see with a baby? 
It's like, man, it's been only been two weeks, and they're like twice the size they were before. And you go in, and the doctor says, you know, they're, you, 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 your head is, is, is at a certain percentile, right? Some of you boys, your parents can tell you about when the doctors talked about how big your head was on, on, on the little, like, he's off the charts, right? He's going to be a giant. And sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. But, but sometimes as you get older, as you mature more, it becomes harder to quantify. Are you growing? And I mean growing in a good way. Okay, I mean, you can quantify growing in bad ways pretty easily, but, but growing in a good way because that's the expectation. Nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ. We got some babes in Christ, and I rejoice that they, that they are in Christ, right? Nothing wrong with that. Oh, the problem's with being a baby when you're a grown-up. Isn't it? The problem is when people are babies when they're grown-ups. Sometimes that happens even in the church. And you say, well, what's, what, what's the problem? At the end of the day, the problem is you got a grown-up that's a baby, right? Now, you can't always say that, but we all know what that looks like. But we got to be careful that that's not what that looks like in the mirror, right? So the Hebrew writer will say in Hebrews 5 and verse 11, concerning him of whom we have much to say, it is hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing, that by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. He says, there's some things I want to tell you about. I want to talk to you about. But, but quite honestly, you're not at a place where I can really get into it. You're not capable of understanding. I always think about... Um, I always think about... Um, some, some of our teachers, you know, Thomas, you're a math coach, and Jonathan, you teach, you know, these upper division biology classes, and, and I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a fairly intelligent person, but I'm telling you that if I tried to go in those classes today, you guys, it would be like the Charlie Brown teacher, right? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even understand what you're talking about. You know why? Because I'm not ready for it. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I might have been when I was in high school, but not now, Right? Throw a, I don't, I don't even know what words to use, right? But you throw that stuff in front of me, and I was like, mm, I'm not ready for that. Well, that's just because I haven't grown. I haven't, I haven't, you know, I haven't dug in deep with my calculus skills in a long time, almost 30 years, right? I haven't dug in deep with my biology skills or, or whatever those sciences are you teach in a long time. That actually, it's probably changed a lot in all that time, right? But he's saying that 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 concept spiritually. He says, one thing that holds you back is that you just don't understand. So, so you don't even have the vocabulary for us to have this conversation. Now, that can exist in the church, and people can have a lot of time put in. I went into a Bible study once, and I, I, this was a monumental moment in my life. Uh, it, was a, it was a lady who was very religious. She was like the bedrock of her church. Okay, and so, and I'm, you know, 21, 22 years old. I knew enough to be intimidated in this situation. Like this woman, and sometimes, right, sometimes these ladies, they're, they're a lot better Bible students than our men. And so I was intimidated, but we're sitting there, and I started out the study like this, and I said, open to the book of Acts. And I watched her, and she didn't know where the book of Acts was. Now, yeah, you know where the book of Acts is. That's the only reason you give that look, because you know where the book of Acts is. She didn't know where the book of Acts was. 
And all of a sudden we were facing this thing where we were going to have these deep theological conversations about who God is and what God's will is. And she didn't understand the most basic principles. She was pretty old. She could have been my grandmother, right? Uh, probably even today she, could, she would be old enough to be my grandmother. She, she was, she'd gone to worship every time the doors were open. But at some point she failed to grow. She failed to take a step forward. There in Hebrews, he says, I want to tell you about Melchizedek, right? Uh, this in our Bible class this morning, we touched on Melchizedek for a little bit. It is, it's some tricky water, right? What is the deal with this Melchizedek priesthood thing? And, and the, but the truth is, I can't tell you. And it kind of makes me mad because then we'd know more about it. If, they, if they'd been able to know more about it, he could have written more about it because they couldn't handle it. He only wrote a little bit. And so we're out, we're out here floundering saying, I need some more information. So my question is, are you growing? It's not about age. I've known some people with a lot of age on them that, quite honestly, their faith was very weak and very shallow. Okay? This is not about time served. Um, I like to think that everybody uh, soaks in everything that was said in every sermon and every Bible class that's taught. I, I like to think that. I know that's not the case. I know that's not the case because I don't always, you know, do the same. I, I get it. But this is about growing. So I'd ask you this question, have you been growing? Have you been growing in your knowledge? Maybe a better way to answer this is, um, what have you learned? I was, I was sitting there, I was sitting at my desk uh, on, on Friday, and I was kind of quantifying this in my own mind. So what have I learned? Because if I can't come up with anything I've learned in the last year, Am I really growing? Listen, I don't care if you're a babe in Christ. You're the most mature person in this room. What have you learned in the last year about God and righteousness and the Word of God? I want you, I want you to really answer that question. Not out loud. Just answer it in your own head. And if you're struggling to answer it, that ought to scare you a little bit. That ought to scare you a little bit. Right? I was talking to someone the other day, and they were, they were saying... And then one of, our, one of our better Bible students say, I learned this thing. Man, it was, I don't know how I missed this before. Well, they learned it because they were studying. They learned it because they were constantly being exposed to those things. Now, the more that you learn, the more that you learn, everything becomes not new. Like there was this, there was this day like the, the, in your life, in your spiritual walk, when everything was brand new. You're like, I never even heard that before. Uh, um, Doug, every sermon illustration you hear, man, that's a great illustration. Everybody else says, we've been hearing that for 50 years, right? It's new to me, brother, right? But, but the more time that you give, the more growth that you have, all of a sudden it's not new. All of a sudden you've, you know, you've been in the class, you've heard the sermon, you've been in the Bible study, and that's still okay too. My question is, may not be, what, what have you learned that you didn't know a year ago? What have you learned in a deeper way? What have you come to appreciate? What have you plumbed the depths of? And you find those things in your own life, and if you're having trouble to answer that, to say, okay, so where are the holes in my life? When, when, you're, when you're playing basketball and you try to break down somebody's game, right? So, some guys, they can, only go, they can only go to the right, only go to the right, only go to the right. You know how to beat that guy? Make him go to his left. <laughs> he can't do it right? 
And so these guys that are really good, you know what they practice? Going to their left. He can go to his right. He can go to his left. No matter what's going to happen, he's going to beat you, right? I can't dribble with either hand, so that's a, that's a whole other issue. But I've been beat plenty of times by guys who could. That's why it's in my head, I guess. But, but, but to understand, where do you have those deficits? You sit in a Bible class or you listen to a sermon or you pick up a book and you say, I see that, but I don't know much about that. Ah, I wish I did. I'm a little bit ashamed that I don't. Well, don't be ashamed. Do something about it. Whatever that deficit is in your life, right? I want to attack that thing. That's how you grow, right? Nobody's born dribbling to the right and dribbling to the left. You've got to work on it. So if you know that you're bad going to your left, work on going to your left. If you know, if you know that, man, you're a great Bible student, but you don't know much about the prophets... Well, spend some time on the prophets, right? Well, if you know that, that, that you've got a really good understanding of the text, but, but you're struggling on application, uh, give attention to application. I don't know where your holes are, okay? I got a good idea about where a lot of mine are. I'm working on it, right? Why? Because we're growing under righteousness. So I would ask that question about what have you learned or what have you grown in this last year? But this isn't just about knowledge, right? That's, that's only one indicator. Of spiritual growth. You can quote the book from Genesis to Revelation and not be what you ought to be or what we need to be because we're trying to be not the greatest scholar in the world. We're trying to be like Jesus. And we all, we already said, we all fall short of that. But we've been given this opportunity to be born again. So, so the second question becomes when was the last time you repented? When was the last time you repented? I mean, I know when I obeyed the gospel, I repented and was baptized for remission of my sins, Acts 2.38, right? Good. Uh, that, that's a part of that. Is that the last time you repented? Because I'm thinking that probably wasn't the last time you struggled with sin. I'm thinking that wasn't the last time that you struggled with, with, with falling short of God's glory. Unless that happened to have been about 30 seconds ago that you repented and were baptized, then in which case that might have been the last time. For most of us, it goes back further. Repentance is, is, a, is a lifestyle, right? Repentance is, is, is that thing that, that we are constantly examining our life, and it is not that we do not sin. If you say, you don't, if you say that you don't sin, John would say, you're a liar, right? You're, cause, it's because you're lying to yourself, right? You're a liar, and the truth is not in you. Everybody here does. We know something about sin, uh, I, I, your preacher does, your mama does, your grandparents do, your kids do. Wish they didn't, wish we didn't, but we do, right? But uh, hopefully we know something about repentance. See, everybody's going to struggle with sin. The difference is that a Christian is going to learn to hate sin, and when they see sin, they're going to deal with sin. They're going to constantly, that's what it means to walk in the light. That's, that's still, we're still there in John 1, right? or 1 John 1, right? That's what it means to walk in the light. So when was the last time that I went to God and, and I, I just poured my heart out to God and I said, God, help me. God, forgive me for I've sinned. If you can't quantify that in your mind, then you might, you might, want, to, you might want to be concerned that you haven't really been growing. Because I know that you struggle with sin. So, so when I come to this point where I say, no, no, I, I want to I be about constant repentance. 
Do I struggle? Yes. Do you struggle? Yes. That's what I love about a church atmosphere where, where people aren't afraid to confess their sin and, a, and ask for prayers. Th- that's a great thing. You know, in some churches, in some churches, people, there's like, you can preach your heart out. Ain't nobody coming forward. I'm going to tell you that right now. Ain't nobody come forward in 100 years, and you ain't going to change that. I've, I've been in those churches, okay? Uh, man, that's not what we want the church to be. We want the church to be a group of people who are constantly, constantly throwing ourselves before the Lord. Constantly saying, man, you're coming to repent? Well, I know something about repentance. So let me help you in the same way that the Lord helped me, and we will, and we will go on to maturity together. So that's my three questions. Okay? Number one, I'm going to ask you, and you're going to answer Are you alive? If you're not alive, if you're not alive, it's not because of the Lord Jesus. It's in spite of the Lord Jesus. And he invites you. He died so that you could live. So I'm going to encourage you, plead with you. If I need to hold your hand, kiss your ring, let me know. Whatever we need to do, I want you to give your life to Christ and to be immersed into the body of Christ so that we can be alive in Christ together. Question number two. Question number two. What have you learned in the last year? What have you learned? If that's a hard question, then it ought to show you something that's not good in your own heart. So it may may mean that you need to make some changes. It may mean that you need to make some changes to make sure that you do grow. Question number three. When was the last time that you repented? If you've got to go back, if you've got to go back years and decades to quantify repentance, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily mean coming down the aisle and confessing sin. You can do that or not do that. But, but that I actually spoke to the Lord about my own struggles and the ways that I fall short, and I look to Him for the answers in those things because He's the only one that can give you answers in those things. Listen, that's, that's a part of the Christian life. The shame would be to not be a people who repent. Those are your three questions. I think those three questions will tell you something about your spiritual health. Now, you're going to go home just like when I go home from the doctor and the, doc- and the wife will say, well, what the doctor say? And then you're sitting there, Ronnie, and you say, well, do I tell her what the doctor said or do I, do I not tell her? You know, some people would get a diagnosis and wouldn't, wouldn't even tell their spouse, right, Benita? Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that about your physical life. But especially don't do that about your spiritual life. See, if the doctor's telling you bad things, if the doctor's telling you you're, you're, you're a very sick individual, well, go get the treatment. Go get the treatment. Don't let your own pride hold you back. Don't let, I don't know, whatever holds you back that's been holding you back. You be born again. You walk in His light, and we leave here as a healthy, bright, and vibrant body of Christ that He wants every one of us to be a part of. You come this evening as we stand and as we sing.